everybody. Welcome to the Conversation of Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel, and I am the host and author of the Conversation of Our Generation, uh, the blog, and just basically everything that happens for the most part. That's what I've been doing. Uh, I have a few guest bloggers now that I'm working on getting together. Um, I had a couple people that have uh, I reached out to and that have reached back out to me about that. So hopefully we'll be able to be bringing you guys some more content, uh, more of a range of ideas. And, um, so yeah, but, uh, I'm sorry this podcast is getting out a little late today. I've been busy and, uh, you know, so I, uh, I just bought a house and so I've been, uh, just getting some stuff together there. And so I, you know, I was up late last night and had trouble getting up this morning. I was cleaning and doing all sorts of stuff that I had to do and it was just a long, long day. So... I'm finally getting at this, and uh, I apologize for this getting out late to you guys today, but uh, it's coming, so it's all good. Um, but uh, before I get into this, I kind of want to talk a little bit about on here. I haven't done it for a couple episodes, I don't think, so I just want to let people know really what the conversation our generation is about, the blog in and of itself, and just say, you know, what I've been trying to do with this is to find a way to create somewhere where you can get a range of ideas and you can come and debate. Uh, any idea that you want to put forth and make it, you know, if you can make a well thought out argument and really dive below just, you know, the talking points, you know, find a way to really put, make your argument have weight and carry itself and, you know, defend it against, you know, an opposing argument or opposing viewpoint or whatever it is. You know, I want to have almost a battle royale of ideas here uh, and so that we can let the best uh, ideas rise to the top and from there we can really understand where solutions lie and where you know there are ideas that we can leave in the past and maybe we can kind of come to something as a as a society and you know decide what it is that we can kind of roll with and what ideas we need to leave behind so that's what I'm doing uh, with this, and I'm hoping that with uh, with that, I can get some more guest bloggers in here because right now it's mostly uh, my opinion and another uh, libertarian friend of mine that I met uh, or that I have uh, that I met at Liberty Forum. Uh, he's been writing a couple posts for me, and so it's it's really kind of one sided. I'd like to get people of a range of opinions, and uh, so if you do have you know something that you disagree with me on, if you're you know. A staunch, you know, Republican, Democrat, far left, you know, socialist. I don't want. I don't care. I, I want uh, anybody with a strong opinion that they can defend to come on and try it and see what happens and uh, and see if we can get a real good discussion going here. As long as it's you know, not uh, not just you know profane or gross. You know, if it's I want it to be an elevated conversation about real ideas and about you know not just hit pieces on people that we hate or whatever it is. I don't want that. That's that's the only, those are the kind of the things that uh, are going to probably, you know, not make it on is on the blog at least. You know, if you really go for an idea and you defend it, then I don't care if I disagree with it or not, but if you're just profane, pornographic, or, you know, if it could open me up to, like, libel, um, <laughs> then... We're going to have uh, different, uh, I can't probably do that because technically I am a publisher, so 
that opens me up to liability. So, <laughs> and so let's with that. Let's get into the topic of the show today. Let's let's kind of. I'll I'll leave the. You know, you can find me on Facebook, Conversation of Our Generation, there, uh, Twitter, at Convergen, Minds.com, Conversation of Our Generation, Steam it, at Jamel, all right, and ConversationofOurGeneration.com is my blog, there. Let's get the social media out of the way, and let's dive in. And so, uh, today, I really want to talk about a lack of love and empathy in our society, what I think that does to the society, and how I've seen it manifest and then the other thing that I want to talk about is um, I wrote a, p- a blog post this week called Love, the Tangent to the Divine, and I put it out yesterday. And I really want to talk about that idea because that's something that I think is definitely true. And I think that that explains to me why you have issues in a society when you lack you know, love for each other and your, and your fellow man. But I think the first thing that you see in you know, a lack of love is, I think the first place that's manifested is, is within like the family. And, you know, it's really hard to build family and community bonds without um, love for each other, without love for the people, you know, those are the people who you live with, who you come in contact with, right? Like, you know, if you can't get the nuclear family to stay together out of love or the even, especially like, even like extended families, you know, it, I mean, there's society for the longest time has been, you know, an extended family, you know, kind of tribal. I mean, up until not that long ago, and there's even still today and, you know, not that long ago, a lot of the world that had, you know, the tribe that was made up of a few extended families and, you know, it kind of worked that way. There was a very close knit community. And so it really is bad for society to lose that core because that's what everything else is built upon. You know, Aristotle talks about it in politics where governance begins with the the household. It begins with, you know, the man, I mean, it, just remember this is 2000 years ago, so don't call me a sexist right now, but the man is in charge of his household. He has to run his household. He has to you know, he even, you know, he even talks about like slaves at the time, how that's, you know, and, and so I think that obviously slavery is bad. And I think that now it's, you know, much more easy for it to be a partnership between a man and a woman as far as like really making decisions and running the house. But that still is, it still is to be said that, you know, the parents are in charge. The kids don't have a vote in certain things they may have a vote in where we eat dinner tonight or what we have for dinner tonight sure but they don't have a vote in what you know maybe they don't have a vote in what school they go to because you know your parents have to do what's best for you right and uh and so those are the, you know until they're 18 and they're picking their college then they kind of get to do that for themselves but you know as far as like when they're five they don't get to choose their kindergarten you know <laughs> and so there's you know you have to kind of govern your children and you know with spouses kind of govern you know each other in a sort in a sense and kind of build that but you do all of that out of love out of the fact that you know to me love is you know caring for someone as an end not as a means towards something else so you know i'm a business person if i help a customer 
that's not love. I mean, I'm caring for them. I'm doing what I need to do. You know, at times, you know, you're being nicer to them than you are to your family. But at, at the end of the day, I'm caring for them as a means to getting them to make a purchase or do this other action for me. You know, whatever the business action that I need on that person is. Whereas with love, what I do is I am caring for that person as an end in and of itself. And that's how Aristotle defines friendship is you're preserving your friendship just be for the sake of preserving your friendship. It's not because, you know, you have something to gain out of those people. You know, there's he's like there's types of friendships like that, but it's not true friendship. And so that's that's why the household's so important though, is because you are in a sense, you know, governing out of love and govern and you are the I mean, you know, parents and children, you know, even to grandparents cousins aunts and uncles you know like that kind of core of a family is something that's so important to preserve because that's the kind of support that you need throughout life and that support comes from people who truly love you and who normally don't expect you know anything in return obviously you are going to because you love each other but if I you know if I'm short some month on a bill you know, for whatever reason, you know, my parents could help me and they wouldn't expect that I, you know, pay them back. Or maybe if they do ask me to pay them back, you know, if it's something big, it's not on a timeline. There's no interest. You know, that's why usury was a big deal is because they, you know, people just were supposed to lend each other money and not charge interest. And so when that kind of became a business, it was, you know, something that was big for society, actually. But, you know, that family unit is the core of a society and that a community is built upon that because now when I walk outside of that my parents have friendships that they've built over decades right and they have those are friendships that they preserve for the sake of preserving them and they're not friendships that are meant to help them leapfrog into a better position at work or whatever not those kind I'm talking about like their college friends that they still hang out with their high school friends they're you know Friends that they met at church, you know, or when I was in school, parents of other kids my age, neighbors that have been around for a long time in my neighborhood that, I mean, I've lived here as long as I've been here and maybe longer. And uh, and so all those connections create a support group as well. So when, you know, uh, for example, I just bought my house and uh, my neighbor across the street came over and she... It's like, hey, you know, uh, I know you're trying to put in a garden and everything here. So here's a, uh, like my favorite gardening tool. It's kind of like a, you know, it's it was really awesome. It was like a knife almost on one on the edge and a serrated knife on the other. And it was also like a, what's the, I, I can't think of the word right now. Like a handheld shovel. There's a word. I can't think of it. It's early. <laughs> and um, in that bucket and everything, a couple beers, which was awesome. And a gift card, you know, like. But, you know, that neighbor I've known my whole life because, you know, my parents, you know, we're friends and we're good family friends. Her son's my, or a year older than me, and we grew up together. So, you know, we have that bond as a community and, or as a fellow community, I mean, nearly a family member at this point, as long as I've known them. <laughs> but that's kind of, that's the kind of thing that I think is lost in some of our neighborhoods around the 
I mean, because I will say there's our neighbors around here that, you know, we're friendly with. We know them. But that's not the kind of relationship that we have with them. And, you know, granted, this is a person who's been across the street for 25 years. You know, so it's different. But that, to me, shows uh, a different level of caring and community. And, you know, that helped me out with, you know, putting in my garden last night, for instance. And that was just, you know, kind of a jump start. She even gave me some of her chives and, like, was able to put them in and said, you know, if you ever need to get a plant started there and you can't, you know, let me know and come see if I have it first. Cool. See? And so it's those are the kind of awesome, you know, things that people do just because when you care for each other, right? And and that's just one example. I mean, I can give you plenty more. There's plenty of just awesome people that we have as a community um, and in Indianapolis, you know, I'm, I tell you, I'm Catholic. The Indianapolis Catholic community is something that's not very, I mean, it's a decent, decently big, but it's not, you know, for a big city, you know, it kind of makes the big city feel smaller when you're a part of it because there's a lot of, just a lot of people that they go to like the same eight schools and, you know, you, or eight high schools, I should say, um, pretty much. And, you know, there's so many grade schools and you just kind of intermingle with everybody because you go to this grade school and then you go to this high school with people who went to grade schools all over the city or, you know, all over the north side or south side, whatever it is, and you kind of build that bond. And so there is actually a pretty good sized community. Like my, whenever I go out to the bars in the summer, you know, where, where all the young people are, I, I, I would joke because I'm like, it's like a high school reunion because all the north side kids that I went to high school with are there. And but at the same but I, but and I mean like I, I can't go to those bars and not see a few people that I know that's just a I mean it's just crazy and so that kind of community though is nice I mean when we see each other we say hey how's it going and we're friendly and kind you know some people who I don't know as well maybe I don't you know talk to as long but you still say hi and you know there's still kind of a bond and an underlying sense of community you know my high school we called it uh, I went to cathedral here in Indianapolis and it, we call it the cathedral family and it truly is I mean I know that I've seen it in action that there's a tight-knit community that comes together for their own and I've seen it happen multiple times but that sense of love that builds a community that or that builds a home the household and then you know your community that creates the bonds that allow you know almost a microcosm of society to function in and of its own you see because I think that you know part of the reason why you know like our area and this community that I think I'm a part of is successful you know on on each individual level for the most part is because there's so many people backing each of these people that it's hard to fail because there's people there to pick you up every time you fall you know whether it's you know, family, you know, family, community, friends, you know, somebody to call you out when you need to be called out or to pick you up or whatever. They hold you accountable. They help you out. And that's what people who love you do. That's how a society that's like ours, where we are supposed to be built, you know, from locality all the way up, you know, we're supposed to start with, you know, our founding fathers wanted this to be a country where people govern themselves so the government didn't have to which means that you need people there to 
who are who are seeking to be virtuous and successful those are the two things that you need to be if you you can't because if you have success without virtue you run the risk of basically being like a snake oil salesman or you know or having success at other people's expense but if you're successful and virtuous then you find ways to be successful by leveraging yours and other people's talents in order to create mutually beneficial situations which is the best way to i mean the business works the best when it's cooperative not you know predatory and so that's what the founding fathers wanted is you start there and then you have communities that you know generally were going to be built around faith generally but not necessarily uh, and other communities as well. I mean, you know, the neighborhood is obviously not built on, you know, religious faith, but the church communities and, you know, things like that are supposed to help out, right? And f- help fill the gaps where, you know, myself and my family can't. Um, and, and then it builds up from there. And then you have, you know, a city government to keep the peace. You have a state government because, you know, the states are kind of regulating all of what's going on there and facilitating things. And then you have the federal government that's facilitating between the states and that's it. You know, it's just there to defend the country against, you know, attacks on its liberty and ensure that the states aren't tariffing the heck out of each other and, you know, doing, you know, trying to do like a land grab or something silly. You know, like all of a sudden Indiana says that like Louisville is part of it. Like you, the federal government's there to kind of nick nip that in the bud and that's really kind of how the society is supposed to build up but that means that you have to have that base that foundation is the individual seeking both success and virtue the family unit loving each other and helping each other you know governing each other so that the government doesn't have to you know if 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 a mother can discipline her son and make him better and not make him a criminal then the government doesn't have to worry about him being a criminal he becomes you know a productive member of society right and and then you have the community and the neighborhood and those kind of things to fill in uh those gaps so that you don't need government charities you have true charity where people are loving and kind and empathetic and give out of their own heart and you know out of their own sense of necessity not you know by force and taxation and that is how i think you build the bedrock of a of a of a good virtuous free society and this only works in a free society or this is only necessary in a free society and it i think it works anywhere i think you know to have love for your neighbors and to take care of your neighbors and i think that there's a lot of times that you run the risk in especially like totalitarian regimes where being loving and kind doesn't actually uh doesn't really benefit people it actually can run the risk of uh, like subverting uh the government intentions and so you run the risk of actually hurting yourself in the long run but that being said i think that it's still a good thing to do uh regardless and I think that that's an important understanding to have of why love is so important in society and why when we lose it it damages the foundation but I think it trickles out into a lot of other areas as well and then the second part of love that I think you lose 
or the second thing that I think you lose when you lose love is if I can love my neighbors and my family and everything like that, what what I can do is then I can almost take that and apply that to someone halfway across the world and say, that person has people that love them and that want to take care of them. I I can take that and apply it to someone who lives in Kentucky or California and say, those people, that individual that's on the news has family members, has a community, has friends. And those people love him, love that person. And so when you see tragedies like, you know, like the Parkland, you know, shooting or when you see hurricanes hit the south or like tornadoes rip through, you know, uh, you, you really feel for those people and you want to, if you're, if you, I think you have to practice love within your own life in order to really be able to know how to have what is called, it's, you know, charitable, almost like a charitable love. It's, uh, in the Christian tradition, we call it caritas and it's, um, a Christian love for humankind, right? It's, it's a true will that, you know, humanity prospers. You do want that. I mean, I think everyone, no one wants to see the world get worse. Everyone wants to see the world be a better place. You know, it's just a difference of opinion on how that's going to happen, right? I, as a libertarian, think that limited government and freedom is going to get there, but there are people who believe that, you know, socialist and huge government centralization and all that is going to get there. And we can have that discussion, but right now I'm not having that. What I'm talking about, though, is is charity is what's derived from that word, the, the love for human, the Christian love for humankind. And then... Charity is what comes out of that. It's a, I think caritas is a Latin word, I believe. And what you find is, is that that love that you have for, you know, your brother to help him out when he has a rough month or something and he can't pay something and you, you give him 50 bucks to help him pay the lights, right? That's, that's charity. That's where charity begins. But then when, you know, all of us are, you know, when I, all of us can give ten dollars to hurricane relief and help, you know, and like, and I can give away my old clothes and I can give, you know, I got some old canned foods that I don't eat that are about to expire that I'm not going to eat in time, but you know what, they'll be good for another, you know, few weeks. All those things that I can scrounge together and put forth, you know, that's it ends up being fifty dollars worth of stuff or whatever. So it doesn't break my bank necessarily today because I'm okay right now for fifty dollars, but. It makes fifty dollars worth of positive impact down there where the hurricane just hit, and when you have, you know, we have three hundred thirty million people. When you get a hundred thousand people to do that, look at that. That's <laughs> I'm having trouble now. Five million dollars, yeah. Fifty hundred thousand people, fifty dollars, yeah. Five million dollars, right? Yeah, and so. That's the kind of impact that you can have. Five, now, how hard is it to get a $5 million donation? You know, well, but if you can get 100,000 people across the country to ship stuff down for fit, that's worth 50 bucks. You know, maybe not even just money, maybe clothes that, you know, if you were to go buy them would cost $50 to go buy $50 worth of crappy clothes at Walmart, but these are better clothes. You know, the canned foods, the all that stuff that adds up and you create a huge benefit and you really relieve that economy down there and you relieve those people down there and it's able, you know, you're able to, because when you relieve the people and they're able to get stuff like that, you're able to bring in that much, that many resources. Well, then they can allocate the resources that they do have left over to other things as well and really facilitate 
an expedited process there of building that city back up. <clears throat> you know, you saw this with Katrina. I mean, people were going down there and building houses again. It, it was it went so far beyond just the relief. They rebuilt that city uh, in a lot in a lot of in a big sense. I know that from what I hear that there's still a lot that needs to be done actually still, but um, from what I understand, a lot got put back, which is awesome. And I think that, and it was mostly, uh, maybe not mostly, but a large part, um, private charities and people just taking the initiative. I mean, I know that for years after people and all my, you know, whether it's my Catholic youth group or some other, you know, my neighbors, uh, that I know across the street, <laughs> I, they went down there on a mission to help uh, with the relief and build a house and stuff. So, you know that happens, and that charity though is, an un- it comes from a love for humankind, a, a will. So, I said that char- or love is caring for someone to, uh, to as an end in of itself. You love someone because you love someone. That's it, right? You're not trying to get anything out of them. The other kind of love is one where you hope the best for you, you know, and this is kind of part of it too, you, you, you hope the best for someone, right? That, you know, your love is a sense, this is kind of like God's love is God created us in order to love us. And I'm kind of getting into the other part of this now. God created us to love us and he then went on to love us not for any purpose other than to love us at the same time the other part of his love is that he has a plan for us or he has a hope that we will be reunited with him right that's the ideal situation for a human is to you know re reunify or come to uh, a new union with God after choosing him and so those are the two aspects of God's love that are important and I'm going to get into that a little bit more here in a second but the aspect of charity is more that second part right because you're not really you don't really love those people on a personal individual level right but you love those people in the sense that you hope the best for them you you hope that they have the best situation they can you know this hurricane hit and it's a horrible thing but you hope that they can have the speediest recovery possible that you know their office gets back up and running so that they can go back to work and start earning money again so that they can you know, and at the same time, you want them to have food that you help provide or clothing that you help provide so that you alleviate their uh, their their problems for a little while. That's a that's the second one, the wanting it, those people to do better. And that's where charity is. And I think that the one of the most destructive things that we've had in our society is government has taken over the charitable process, which is taking away our ability to love people in that way that christian love of humankind has faded because it's the government's job it's not my job and now when it's not my job to love you know humankind in general well when you take that down to the microcosm i think you see a lot of issues with the family that have come up as well and both of them stem from the government taking care of people so we don't have to theoretically but all that does, in my opinion, is break down the things that should tie us together out of love. The, you know, when there's just like, for instance, you know, the fact that, you know, single motherhood has become a big thing because 
the father has to be out of the house for the mother to get full benefits, you know, that is a destructive thing because now you take the father out of the house, you lose that bond between father and child, that love of father and child, the love between father and mother that is a that is an example for the children as well. And you also lose his extended family too. Like you lose the father's parents, the father's sisters and brothers that could help and be good aunts and uncles or his cousins that would be good playmates for the kids and and teach the kids good valuable lessons as you know maybe you know I know I've learned a lot of stuff from my cousins who are five ten years older than me you know the ones who navigated college right before me that's a you know they were able to give me insights that my parents couldn't because my parents did college you know 20 30 I don't know years ago before I was born and so when it's time for me to go through the college process I had people who I could talk to about it and so you lose that if you lose the father out of the home you lose the connections that come with that you lose the example of love between parents and the love that a father has for his children and that has an impact on people because you need to you when you're a kid you're a blank not a blank slate I think you have some understanding of things but if you are very malleable let's say and you can see love in action and you can see what love does for people and choose that as a positive thing or you know you can turn away from it because either you don't know how to do it or you know what you saw as love didn't really come out in a positive way because it really wasn't truly what love was meant to be because you weren't able to see that in full action but you got a, a glimpse of what it supposedly was and and then you turn away from it and that's that's the tragedy that I think is happening so many times and I I think that our society is having trouble with that and the family level well heck if you can't get mom dad sister brother to love each other you know you can't get parents to love their children I mean there's parents out there like what's her name Casey Anthony that you know killed her child or even if she didn't necessarily kill her child, let's say, let's say it was an accident. I, 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 yeah. you know, I think that it was at the very least extremely horrific, negligent behavior that was combined with also like abusive behavior that led to it. So I would say it's pretty much, she killed it, the kid. And, um, but that, uh, that shouldn't ever have to be an issue because you should have that love of a mother for a child is just should be there and it's missing in that case so it's really hard to build up and out to the community how are you supposed to love your community right if you can't love your child the thing that you know really is the closest to a godly love generally of creating something that you know you want to help and grow into something prosperous and fruitful but instead you are really tearing it down and not showing any love towards it and I think that that's troublesome and and disastrous for society because that's like I said that's the bedrock earlier in this podcast I told you that's the bedrock of what a society is supposed to be if the bedrock crumbles well then what are you supposed to do if the cornerstone isn't there you know the whole building is gonna have trouble right and so this is something that I think that 
the libertarian side does fail to see that, you know, when they talk about, like, conservatives and their, you know, they talk about conservatives and being all, like, way too Christian and pushy with their Christianity. I think that that's one thing that the libertarian party and the libertarian idea uh, loses a little bit is, yes, it is economically better to not have taxation and to use charity and you know the family unit and all that to build a prosperous society but at the same time you know that isn't because it's economically efficient first it's because there is a sense of love and devotion that is there before the economic uh, benefits that do come from the fact that if you don't you know tax and economy you don't have deadweight loss and you run more efficiently obviously yes but I think that I say that natural law works in the sense that there is a set of order and you have to understand the the true natural law to understand the outcomes that come from taking advantage of the order that is built into the universe and I think the fact that we are supposed to love each other is built in at a higher level, at a more um, important level than economic efficiencies. And so when, um, when you take the result and you apply that as the re reason for something, you, don't, you lose out on the process by which you get that result, which is charity and you know, care for people produces a better society and produces a more prosperous one because you're you know and it produces a more free and loving and caring society as well but in order to have a free society you have to have a virtuous society first because if you have a free society without virtue you know it looks like well it looks like Westworld <laughs> instead of you know instead of what you know every you know my my dad jokes because I tell him you know I'm pretty much so libertarian that I think that there really shouldn't be federal government I, I mean you know I think we can get to the point where we peel back state government and have like nothing you know you just kind of like your community makes a you know you know some sort of way to function within the community and you're good um and he's like you know that doesn't work because you know people are you know there are people who are just terrible people and will take advantage of that you know and and I was like you know that's fair you, you could see it in the Indian tribes you could get an Indian chief to kind of rally a bunch of different tribes together and make something happen among the tribes and go conquer or do whatever. And, but at the same time, you know, the ideal goal of the American experiment is to create a virtuous society that is so virtuous that it is allowed to be free because people do deal well with each other without government. And that's all predicated on the fact that you have a sense of love you know you, you love the people who you're supposed to love in your immediate contact and then you have that you have a sense of you know you have caritas you know that christian love of humankind towards people who are away from you people who are in another state or another city or people who are in your city that you don't even know when a tragedy happens in your own area right i mean you see that so much in those disasters where someone goes in and saves people and you know you see pictures all the time of like a guy carrying kids that obviously aren't his you know through the hurricane waters to safety and all that and that's something that's special that you have to have to have the free society and I think that's something that libertarians 
fail a lot of times to to speak on and and it's important because you know number one it makes you sound kind of heartless and cold when you don't talk about this in a real sense when you don't talk about family you know familial ties and bonds and things like that and and it also I think it, so it does that but it, I think it also makes you sound and, and I'm not calling you out as an individual obviously I'm talking to a microphone but it makes people sound cold and and heartless a little bit and and it makes them sound just almost a little bit ignorant of really like the human the human nature I think <clears throat> because it's such an obvious fact that you have those that love and that bond and you have a hope for humanity as a whole that when you kind of just pigeonhole like there's so many libertarians who pigeonhole themselves down into I want to make a success of myself because that's my responsibility and that's all I care about. Well, you know, I think you should make a success out of yourself, but I don't think that's all you should care about. I think you should have a healthy balance between success and a professional sense and, you know, and a happy home life. And I mean, I think that's generally the ideal way to, you know, preserve uh, a, some sort of a society without it breaking down. And, you know, because if everyone just goes out and you know, doesn't have a family and, you know, and seeks their own best self-interest in business, you know, like, uh, you know, some libertarians argue, well, guess what? Next generation, we don't have a society. <laughs> when you're old and gray, there's no one to take care of you. And there's no one, you know, when you're, there's no new nurse to, for you to pay with all this money you've accumulated because no one had any children because all we were worried about was success, right? So, I mean, that's the extreme of that wet line of thinking obviously but you know I think there has to be a balance is what I'm trying to say there and so let's kind of talk a little bit about this divine love though and why I think that natural law is built around this idea and it's because I think it reflects something that is there in our creation and and I believe that all of basically <clears throat> all natural order and all of natural law is derived from a divine creator that created the universe created us and at some point in history ensured that we have the ability to think and reason at a higher level and that he created order within the universe that because of our logic and reason we can decipher the order of the universe and somewhat the nature of our creator but also we can understand the rule book that he gave us basically for life that is in essence what I believe I, I, mean, I think I broke it down pretty plainly but I'm pretty sure that if you asked a Catholic priest that's the essence he would believe I think that that's the essence of religious thought all over you know if you ask a Buddhist they would say pretty much the same thing you know they would probably have a different idea of what God and the Creator look like um, based on what my basic understandings of Buddhism are but you know that's the Taoist idea a hundred percent you know the Tao Te Ching is all about the way and understanding the logos and saying that there is order and there is something about it that we can discover and you know and live a certain way um, of righteousness which is what Tao Te Ching means and 
so that's really how I look at the the creator and order. So where does love fit into this? Well, love is an idea that basically to me is the reason why we have everything physical in the world and the universe. And it's because I think that there was a logos that always existed that when it when God wanted to create something to love he created the universe and he you know he gave us he gave himself people that he could love and he could care for and he could you know hope and pray not pray but hope that would reunite with him you know would choose to come back into uh you know a life with god and so i think that that is what we were created for is to be loved and to love and so when we you know i think so that the highest you know manifestation of you know reflecting that is in a parent having a child you know you are bringing a whole new life into this world to love right that's what you're doing and so that is i think one of the most godly things that someone can do is to create a life and to hope the best for the life and to care for that life and to love that life that you created and to try to basically make it into an adult that can work you know be be what it's supposed to be you know and so I think that that is a particularly incredible thing but uh, Jordan Peterson actually I was just listening to I was already thinking about this idea and then when I listened to uh, Ben Shapiro's interview of Jordan Peterson Sunday morning on his new thing I think Jordan put it in an incredible way that you know there's a you know so he talks about God the logos there was potential in the universe and he was the actualizer you know the thing that moved the universe towards its actualization and so he did that to create humans like us to love I think but I think that you also see the beauty and the the you know the artistry of the world and of the universe as well that's something you know so an artist who creates something you know out of love and in order to love their art and to care for their art is doing the same thing as God you know painting the the sunset on the sky for us is it's I don't think it's any different oh I, I guess it's different but I think it's the same idea it's a the human manifestation of that when an artist can paint that you know or when a songwriter or a poet can make you see that and feel that and paint that picture in your mind um, when God gave us these lives and these different stories of our lives and this individual you know path that we take and a writer can come up with a story that makes that person feel just as real as if they're your best friend and you're following them and you're listening to their thoughts and their you know their trials and tribulations and you're following their story that's godliness that's creation of an art that you know is incredible to me you know the the composers of the you know the great composers of the Beethovens, the Mozarts, Bach, those guys were trying to find a way to scientifically 
uh, you know, produce the perfect sound, right? Because God created a sense of, you know, harmony and these things. I mean, it's mathematical. Music is a, a mathematic thing, really, if you look at it. I mean, even like the beats to time measures and all that, those are, you know, four, four, three, eight, you know, all those things. Those are, you know, the beats per measure and the time measure and all that stuff is mathematical down to the fact that, you know, there's so many, you know, if you look at the sound waves that come from it, you know, that different notes have different wavelengths and all that. So it's mathematical and you can use that order that God created to create something beautiful, but it's there. You have a map of what you can do and what's harmonic to the human mind and what's, you know, dissonant, what's all those different things that you can bring into music and you can create something beautiful. You can, you can almost write a story with no words and just music and you can have that. And those are the things too that manifest I think I think it you have because the only way you can manifest that in a beautiful real way is if you truly have love for your art and your creation and so even the builder who's building a, a building and or a carpenter building a table all those things that you have a potential in front of you and you actualize it to you know its full form its full beauty it's full potential and you do that out of sake of doing so out of love out of you know and, and obviously you know there's times where you can do it for you know to sell a table and all that sure but I think that the most impressive works of art the most beautiful things that we create as a people is when we do it for the sake of doing it and we create it out of love for doing what we're doing and for love for the artistry itself and for the art that comes of that that is when we create the most amazing things that's when you know like people talk about they don't make it like they used to well it's because people used to have a craft and hone their craft and be proud of what they do and now you know you have a guy in a factory you know doing checks and pushing buttons pulling levers and and that's fine and all but you do lose that when you, you know, when you go to build a musical instrument and it's factory produced versus handmade and tailored and, you know, blood, sweat and tears go into it. I think you really do get a different sort of craftsmanship out of a piano like that versus, you know, a Yamaha keyboard produced in a factory, right? And I think that that's anyone, I, th I think that's something that almost anyone would agree with. I mean, I'm sure you get more different sounds out of the Yamaha keyboard, but you don't get that beautiful piano sound that out of something you know unless you get a real just handcrafted you know beautiful piano and it's because there's there's just something to it man and it's because in my opinion if that's how the world was brought in and actualized from potential to the universe then in our little microcosm of you know you know because we are Godlike in some sense with our logic and our reason and our ability to love right all of that makes us godlike in a way and so when we work on potential to actualize it to something beautiful out of sake of doing that I think we access you know that same pattern that created the universe and that um, that really 
make something that is incredible and that when you do it correctly, you make something that's worth loving for you and for people to appreciate and to love. And um, I think Jordan Peterson kind of talked about that, but I don't think, I think I said it in a little different way. And I think that I also, um, I'd argue that, you know, I think that the artistry and that kind of thing is something that he didn't touch on, but I think I'd hope you'd agree with. I'd like to hear his thoughts on this, actually. I'd really love to talk to Jordan Peterson. I think he's one of the smartest people alive, if not the smartest person alive. And, um, and I think it's an incredible, incredible thing to be able to do. And I think that that is, you know, what, you know, really is that the idea of the image made in his image and likeness is we're able to see potential and identify potential in the world and act upon that to actualize it into something amazing. And that is incredible. That's an incredible power. I don't, I don't think that we realize that from time to time, how incredible it is that here's the thing. So look at it this way. Look at all the digital apps that are out there that people have created, that they've seen a potential, they've seen a need and that, you know, and they're like, you know what? I bet I could create a, a thing that goes into this little phone that fits in my pocket and I can, from there, I can basically build, you know, a solution for these people and that I don't even know, but they have access to it in their pocket. I mean, you know, you can, you don't even have to physically have, you know, a tree out back that you chop down and turn into a table. Like you can just have an idea and write code and it works. It make it becomes a thing. That's insane. That is like truly just like God seeing like nothing and creating molecules, you know, <laughs> like that, that's what, to me, that's as close as you can get in our lifetime is like you know, coding and things like that, that is crazy. I mean, you like built colors out of it and you built all this stuff. You know, you have a platform there. You have all this potential there and you can actualize it into something incredible. And that to me is the highest form of creation. And, and it's because it's a reflection of what the creator is, what our creation, when when you reflect what our creator did for us towards something else or towards someone else, that is love in a sense because you're doing it for the sake of doing it, for the sake of creating something to love, and you hope the best for your creation. You know, if an artist makes a song and they, you know, they hope that people love it. They they don't want it to you know fail and for people to you know shout at you, shout at you when you play it, even if you're just playing coffee houses playing it, right? You want people to appreciate your music. That's love for that song because you think that there's something there. You, your creation has something to it. It's beautiful in a way and it offers something that you've put your, you know, that you, you had a potential that you actualized into something beautiful, you think. You want that to succeed and people to appreciate it. It doesn't have to be a number one hit to be a success, right? But if everyone you play for that you know hears it and likes it, then that is, you know, uh, that is its own success in its own way. And I'm here trying to get this idea that I have for the conversation of our generation actualized into something more. And I just ask for your guys' help and your guys' support with, if you want to be a part of this and help me make this something incredible, hit me up to guest blog and find me on the contact portion of my, um, on my blog, you can if you go to conversationofourgeneration.com, contact, 
type it in there. I get it straight to my email. Just say, hey, I want to write an idea on this. Here's my email. And I will hit you back and say, you know, cool, awesome. Let me know when you get it done. You know, here's how you can, here's my email so you can reach me. Boom. And we can get it happening. Because I want to get some more ideas. I want to get a range of ideas in here. And I want you guys' help with that. Uh, also, get involved with the conversation by, you know, following me on social media and spreading it and getting, you know, just even if you don't want to write a blog, man, just comment on Facebook and get this conversation going with me because I want to hear different ideas. And, you know, for all those people who are commenting and who are, you know, just kind of sharing their little tidbits and trying to understand and trying to challenge me and question me, I appreciate it. And keep doing that, you know. For those of you who aren't, man, do it. Have some fun with it. I, I want to have a dialogue going. That's what this is all about. And so help me out there. Uh, and, you know, find me on Minds. You can find me on Steemit. I already told you where to find me there. And uh, I can't tell you guys right now, but I have a cool interview coming up. I'm going to have a guest spot somewhere. So uh, keep an eye out. I'll let you know when I can and when I know more. Uh, but it's going to be really, really cool. I think it's going to be uh, a really good opportunity for me and for the conversation of our generation. And so if you want to help me out now, come on with it because uh, it won't be long before I think I will be a little too busy maybe to, well, I won't be too busy, but I think I'll be decently busy with hopefully a lot of people trying to guest blog. That's my goal at least. So... Uh, with that, thank you guys for listening today and thank you for really participating and you know, like I said, this is really something that I'm trying to create something with that I really love doing, that I really am passionate and I have a love for, you know, my goal and what I see this becoming. And for those of you out there who are already participating, thank you. For those of you who want to participate, come on, do it. And for those of you who uh, think I'm a jackass that's just talking in the mic you know maybe I'll change your mind you know you never know because I think that the conversation of our generation is for everybody and I think it's something that all of us can be a part of and all of us can enjoy and take part in and create something amazing together and really solve issues that are confronting our society and so with that thank you guys for listening again and I hope that you join me in the conversation of our generation let's get the dialogue going have a nice week guys <laughs>